0: Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, July 30th, 2023. Today's sermon will be part two from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 17. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org. Click the current sermons link at the top and click today's manuscripts. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. If you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to be as we were last week. This is part 2 of uh, from last week. But I'm going to read verses 14 to 17. And just for your, just so you'll know, the, the the sermon topic or title last week was called Duties and Pitfalls of the Gospel. And so today we come to the what, we, what I called last week the pitfalls, but what this really is, is a sermon on apostasy um, because it's prevalent throughout Hebrews, and we're going to see Esau as an example. So let me read verses uh, 14 to 17, then we'll pray and get started. Strive for peace with every, with everyone, and for the holiness of without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he was Or when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you again this morning, even as Jimmy said, what a day to be here, to be alive. Your mercies are new every morning. And we come with very humble hearts, Father, knowing that nothing we have is has come from us. Everything, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whatever it is. But we come with, with, with in humility before this very serious passage about apostasy. I pray that you would give us grace. I pray that truth would be shared from here this morning. I pray that Jesus would increase. That I, that we, that we would decrease pray that Christ would be more beautiful to us. I pray, Father, in spite of me, that, that you would work. Father, I pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So from last week in verse 14, as we run the race of the gospel, we've been talking a lot about, about running this race. I think back to our church covenant, which we read last week, which says, having been brought by divine grace to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we must pursue peace with all men. And so that's what the text says from last week. And we must strive for holiness, which is also in the text from last week, because God is holy and those who will see God will will be holy. And so these two truths of peace and Holiness are non-negotiable. Uh, a Christian seeks peace with all men. This is our horizontal relationship. That's what we do. And holiness. And we talked about the difference between the holiness or the righteousness that comes down to us in the doctrine of justification. We are. Therefore, if you are in Christ today, there is no condemnation. You, the righteousness of Christ has come your way and your unrighteousness and your sin has has gone to Jesus. That is the doctrine of justification. God says you are not guilty because Christ laid down his life as an offering for sin. But this text is not speaking so much of that as much as the doctrine of sanctification, of striving for holiness. And so, we can't have a Christian who does not strive for holiness. They they, they don't go together. So, a Christian strives for holiness. Holiness. And so that was last week. Today, as we continue through this passage, we will see the great sin of apostasy, which is a very difficult topic, very serious. And I'm going to leave so much out. And again, last week, too, you got probably the the shortest sermon you've ever gotten in the history of Grace Baptist Church. Well, sorry, this week will not be the case. But here we have an example with Esau. And so throughout the letter of Hebrews, which we've been going through verse by verse, look back at chapter 6, verse 4. Very difficult words. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. Look at chapter 10, verse 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So today, we will see that Esau did not strive for peace with all men, nor did he pursue holiness. In fact, what we will see today with Esau is we will see the opposite. And in the end, we have a shocking story of apostasy in the Bible. <clears throat> Therefore, as Christians today, we need these words. Those who profess Christ, we need these words of warning. In fact, these, I believe, the, the, the warnings throughout the book of Hebrews, like this one today, are, are road signs to us, and they are written to Christians as road signs, gracious words of God to us that we would we would understand this and we would feel this and our minds get it in the text and our hearts feel it and we would not do this. So with that in mind, as we look at Esau, particularly at the end, I have four truths this morning about the character of an apostate, those who turn away, fall away from God. Number one, an an apostate falls short of the grace of God. Number two, <clears throat> the character of an apostate allows a root of bitterness to come up within him or her. And in the end, we will see it's not, not very good. Number three, an apostate becomes more and more and more ungodly. And four, finally, which is the most, I think, shocking and serious of all, is an apostate is a profane person, and we'll come to that, and I'll explain that in a few minutes. So the sermon, here's how this is going to look this morning. The first, these truths are going to be, I'm just going to give them with very little applications, okay? When we get to the end of those applications, I mean the end of those four truths, then we will we'll apply that for the rest of our time. So first truth, the apostate falls short of the grace of God. This is from verse 15, first part, which says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God in the ESV. <clears throat> and so the warning here is not to fall from, as some people say. The warning is not that we would fall from grace, as many have said and used this to say we a person, a Christian, can lose their salvation. We've talked about that quite a bit. But in other places, this word <clears throat> is translated as fail to obtain or to want or to be deficient or to come behind or be destitute or just merely to fall short of something out there. So the picture is like you know you have a goal ahead of you, in front of you, and the power lies within you to get that goal or it's there to be attained, but along the way you are negligent Let's, let's just use an example. Let's say you want, <clears throat> you want to buy something at the end of the year, okay, a year from now. You want to buy a new car. Kids, you want to buy you know, some, some, some kind of video gaming thing that's really cool. Or you want to buy a bicycle or you want to buy a, a, a horse, Scott, or something like that. You know, save up. Make Piper save up her own money and buy a horse, right? Anyway, you want to do it, and you know that you can do it. And you try to save your money, and but along the way at some point, then you start to use your money a little bit unwisely. Maybe you're lazy, maybe you don't work hard for it. <clears throat> Instead, you end up sacrificing certain things, certain wants, or you spend your money on, on things that don't matter. And in the end, at the end of the year, you don't have enough money, so you've fallen short of that. I think that's kind of the picture we have here. There's a failing to obtain what is right there that you can obtain. And so with the context of the Hebrews, as the gospel of Christ had come to them and it was there in front of them, he's telling them, that's the context. you failed to obtain. If you turn back, go back to the sacrificial system, you failed to obtain there, which is right in front of you. So the meaning here is to have everything that we need for life and godliness right in front of you, then neglect it and fall short. Think of Esau. Okay? Jacob... Esau. So we got Abraham, we got got Isaac, we got children, Jacob and Esau. He was the firstborn of Isaac. He was circumcised, as they would have done, theirs commanded to Abraham. He was set apart in the family of Abraham, the father of faith. He had been instructed in the worship of God, the living God, all of his life. He was the son of Isaac, through whom? God renewed his covenant that he began with Abraham. And so he was like a prince in the household of the greatest. And as, as this prince, he was privy to all the best instructions. And he was the heir to the blessing, to the birthright in this family. Yet, as we will see, he sells his birthright. And by doing so, he did not pursue the blessing of God by faith. He falls short. Romans 9, 10 and 11, throughout there, Paul speaks of Israel falling short of salvation because they pursued it by works, not by faith, as they were urged to pursue it by faith. Instead, they pursued it by works. So they fell short. In the same kind of way, those who commit apostasy, I think, know... The truths of God. You might say, know the gospel. They hear it. They've heard it for a long time. They hear it every week, every month, every year. They know what the scriptures say. But through sloth, negligence, formality, uh, eventually unbelief or other sins, they fall short of the grace of God. And so in failing to obtain the grace of God, really what we see here in this text is the beginning of Apostasy, hearing, knowing, being around truth all the time and then to fall short at the very end as Esau was. May it not be so with any of us. And again, I'll come back for some applications later, but let's move on to number two. The apostate allows also a root of bitterness to spring up in the heart. This is verse 15b, look there with me. See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. Now the context for this as we know already going through Hebrews is Moses and the children of Israel there in the desert and their particularly their rebellion in the desert. In Deuteronomy 29:18 Moses warns the people. He says this, "Beware." Sounds like the writer to Hebrews to us, "Beware." Lest there be among you a man or a woman or a clan or a tribe whose heart is turning away from the Lord our God to go and to serve the gods of those nations. Same thing. They had seen all of the miracles, been brought out of Egypt as slaves. Same thing, same context. He says, Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit so that's that's the context of this bitterness that we see here the emphasis is on the heart and what comes out of the heart as it is compared to a root and so what happens if you've got a root eventually you'll get the fruit that'll come up from the root I, I know you guys are thinking here goes John again the farmer likes to tell another gardening story so I'll tell another one This year in my garden, which was pretty cool, I had a lot of volunteers. Anybody know what a volunteer is? It's just the ones that come up from last year, and you're like, that's pretty cool. You know they're going to be healthy. They've made it all through the winter. They've got some root. They're going to come up. And so this little green plant, pretty much, if you're not a farmer, everything looks the same at that point. They're just little green plants. Well, I knew they were some sort of gourd, okay? And so I thought, these are butternut squash. Kristen, There's about 20 of them. Kristen was going to be so happy. And so, what did I do? They were in the middle of the garden. I was going to plant my beans there, so I couldn't have them there. So I picked them up one by one, dug them out, and I put them up in another row down this end. And As you know, that any kind of gourd, they get huge plants and leaves. And so I'm thinking, there they are. There's the butternut squash. Well, about a month later, they are not butternut squash. They are spaghetti squash, which we love spaghetti squash, right? but we Kristen lost her beloved gourd okay the butternut squash and so that is kind of the picture that we're getting here about something rooting up from the heart that eventually it takes it becomes fruit this is the picture of the heart Jesus says and I quote this in my preaching probably about any other theme it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man it's what comes out of the heart And so I'll read that from Matthew 15. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defiles a person. This is why I always and we always speak to the heart. So if you want to fix a sin or something in your life, you want to fix your marriage go to the heart. If you want to fix your problem with anger, go to the heart. If you want to kick a sinful habit, get back to the heart. If you want to love your neighbor, get back to the heart. And so we often speak of the heart. So I exhort you today, guard your heart. Search your heart and ask God to keep your heart. Now, I must say... When I first read these words here in Hebrews 12, and talks about bitterness. Forever, until this week, I thought that that was primarily talking about my bitterness towards somebody else. Well, let me just go ahead and say, that's taught in other places in Scripture, but that's not what is taught here because of the context. It is true, and it is very unhealthy for our souls, for your soul, for your spiritual health, if you come up, with you have some kind of bitterness against another person. So just by way of short application, don't let it ever be because it will continue to eat with you until that fruit comes forth and it will not be pleasant and it will be unhealthy. And I've even quoted that verse so many times. Do not let a root of bitterness come up within you. And I'm sure that's a secondary application, okay? But as I studied this, this these verses are not about that. These verses are about Apostasy. These verses are, are about what happened in the desert with Moses and the children of Israel. as is They are punished. It is a heart of unbelief that moves away from the living God. And this is called wormwood in the Old Testament. This is called bitterness. This is called poison. So the, the sin of unbelief and turning away from the living God is, is poison to the heart. Look back at chapter 3 of Hebrews, verse 12. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Hebrews 3, 12. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart. Leading you to do what? To fall away from the living God. But instead, exhort one another every day as long as it is it's called Today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This is still the context of the apostasy here. The entire book of Hebrews is talking about the same thing. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm until the end. So the context is still falling away, and this begins in the heart. This is what happened with Israel. This is what happened with Esau. And this is what happens to anyone who commits sin. Apostasy, root of bitterness. So that's number two. Number three this morning. The apostate progressively becomes more sinful. Verse 16. Here, let me go ahead and read 16. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. Here I'm focusing on this word sexually immoral. Here I think the author, and there's some debate here, and I may be wrong on this, but he singles out a particular area of sin, particularly sexual immorality. I'm sure he could have named other sins, great idolatry, whatever, but this sin of sexual immorality seems to picture the depths to which an apostate eventually lands. Because it's so serious. It seems to me that those who fail to obtain the grace of God and those who have a heart of bitterness, of unbelief that's growing within them, that eventually they will grow more and more ungodly and eventually end up committing the most grievous of sins. Now, I know that all sin is sin against God in that regard. All sin falls short of the glory of God. But sins related to sexuality are especially damaging and display how far those that are opposed to God are willing to go. The ESV translates the word as sexually immoral. But the word, if you go back to the Greek, is pornea, "pornia," which is where we get our word Pornography. The King James Version translates this as a fornicator. And so if we just go back to that word pornea, it is not merely to watch something on your computer or on your phone that you know you shouldn't watch, okay? That's what we tend to think of as just pornography and what comes out of that. But the sin of pornea, fornication, sexual immorality is all... Contains all sexual sins. Let me read a statement from our Constitution and a, a document that we've adopted. So you've heard this before. Back in 2015, here's a statement that we, again, say that, that's in our Constitution concerning pornea. We believe that any form of sexual immorality, so any form, and here, here including adultery, Fornication, homosexual behavior, bisexual conduct, bestiality, incest, and the use of pornography is sinful and offensive to God. That's our statement on this issue as a church. Which I think clearly, just, that's just what the Bible teaches on that. But let me be clear. Sexual relations, relations are designed for, for what? Marriage. That's where they are meant to stay, between a husband, who is a man, and a wife, who is a woman. This means any form of sexual relations outside of marriage is sinful, pornea, okay? Any form. Before marriage, we're looking at something, and even as Jesus says, if we even think where, in our hearts... We've committed adultery in our hearts. And I would, I would include all kinds of things, but we don't have time this morning. But if we want to take these sins serious here, we must, we must say with Jesus, we must go right to the heart. If a man looks at a woman, a woman looks at a man with lust, he's committed adultery in his heart already. Look over Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Just one page over. Let the marriage bed be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And all, every time I've been hearing you been hearing the word sexually immoral, it's that same Greek word, pornea. So my question is, what does this sin have to do with apostasy? Again, the reason I've taken this view is it seems to me that this sin goes to the depths of where a root of bitterness will take a person in in ungodliness. Just think about what's going on in our country and in this world with the mixing up and the changing of of genders and, and all everything. Just yesterday, looking at we were watching watching a movie and the commercial, we kept having to cut it off. It was absolutely, it was horrible right in your face. Pornea on a regular station. And we see that. It's coming and it's here. And so John Owen, who I've read quite a bit on this sermon, he says this about this, this particular sin. Those who, for, who forsake the profession of holiness usually fall into this experience. So that's what happens a lot. And we see that, do we not, in our culture today. He also says about this sin. When men are, speaking of men and women, but when men are habitually given up to, they are never or very rarely recovered from it. And those who have, Paul says, such were some of you, such were some of us. This is why Jesus came and He forgives us for those sins. But if you have been involved, that's why pornography is so difficult for young boys who watch it and watch it and men who watch it and watch it to then later on have healthy relations with their, their spouse. And it, I, it, I could go on and on there, but we cannot. The Bible says don't even let it be named among you. That's us. That's me. That's here, us here at Grace Baptist It also seems to me that this sin is one that God eventually gives sinners what they want, and He eventually turns them over to it. Listen to Romans 1, 26-28. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women, and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men, and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit, there's that word here, see to it, see fit, to to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. Now, I am not sure when it comes to Esau that we see this particular example. Though he did, Marry foreign women, and he did marry women And his parents said, don't do that. And they were upset with him. But we're not, we don't, we're not told any details here in Esau. But here in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we are warned of its dangers and its association with apostasy. And this is merely one example of ungodliness in the life of the apostate. So how far will sin lead you away from the living God? That's number three. Truth number four, the the apostate is a profane person. Now, the word in the ESV is translated as unholy. Of course, an apostate is unholy, okay? But this does not capture the meaning of the word. A better translation than unholy, I think, is profane. The sacred and the profane. And so... An apostate is a profane person. So let me, let's think about that a minute. So what, is, what does it mean to be profane? When I hear the word profane, I think of profanity, which is just language. Well, that's just, a, that's just a byproduct of what it means to be profane because the ungodly person uses ungodly language out of the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaks. That's what we tend to think of. The meaning here goes much deeper. To be profane is to be the opposite of holy, the opposite of the things that God requires, the thing who God is as holy. And in the context here with Hebrews, to be profane is to take the things of God and then to, to receive all of His blessings, Okay, not even to receive them, but to take them and then to treat them lightly. Which goes back to Hebrews trampling underfoot the the blood of the Son of God. The same context. Our example is Esau. So this is what we're going to think about Esau here for a moment. Let me read the story of Esau from from Genesis 25. And, And so this is what he did. He was a profane person, not a holy person, in the sense that he took, he had the things of God all in front of him, instead of using them by faith and growing from them, he takes them all and tramples them under his foot. He treats them as they should not be treated. So let me let me read the story. Genesis 25, 29. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Which is, and therefore, his name is called Edom, which means red. Well, Jacob said, <clears throat> Sell me your birthright now. And Esau, because he was the firstborn, he was supposed to get all the, the blessings of the firstborn. And Esau said, oh, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? now well, he didn't look forward to the future did he at all but jacob said swear to me now so he so, so esau did he swore to him and he sold his birthright to jacob then jacob gave esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and he drank and he rose and went his way thus esau despised his birthright we are given very i believe very little details of this of this story. But the point here is that he despised his birthright and he despised the blessing of God. Now, there's so many things in this story that picture taking the things of God and then making them unholy and not counting them as we should. <clears throat> Particularly how he did not value the blessings of being the firstborn. How quickly did he give away the birthright? Very, very quickly. Also, seems like he would have bargained a little bit more since he knew he had the birthright. He didn't even try to bargain for it. He just gave it away. King James Version says, For one morsel of meat, he sold his birthright. And this, who did he care about? Not the blessings of God, not the birthright coming from the family of faith. Who did he care about? himself. And that is a picture of anti-God. It is a picture of idolatry. It is a picture of profanity. Now, yes, if we think back to the story still, he was a young man. But still, he did not consider the blessings, the great blessings of faith that the birthright represented. And and notice how easily he parted with it. He, He left it He departed with it quickly, he ate, and then afterward he didn't even think about it. The text says he got up, he drank, he rose up, and he went his way. So in these pictures, we see what it means to be profane, to take the greatest holy blessings and then make them common. This is the epitome of idolatry. So... I'm going to come back to that in application, but that's, those are our four truths. So for the rest of our few minutes left, I'd like for us to think about some applications from this story and from just the general topic of, of apostasy. Here's the first application. Those who are closest to apostasy are the ones who are privy to the most truth. Such was the case with Esau. We've seen this. Such was the case with the religious leaders of Jesus' day who committed the unpardonable sin. He was right in front of them. They saw him cast the demons out. They heard him preach with authority. They saw him say he forgave sins. Everything that he did, they saw it. He was right in front of their face. And what did they do? They rejected him. We see that very clearly with them. I think... Such is the case with, with some folks. I can think more of our Baptist tradition particularly, but such is the case. We do our best to make sure that everyone who comes in is, a, is really a Christian, but just Christianity in general, such is the case with those who sit in churches week after week, year after year. So I would say to us, by way of application, brothers and sisters, do not fall short. To obtain the grace of God by not taking every effort to obey everything the Word tells us. Today and tomorrow and the next and so forth. To improve upon all that God has given us in the church. What blessings come down to us in the church of Jesus Christ. Do not let a root of unbelief, bitterness come up in your heart. So look at your life. Are you seeking to practice godliness in everything, or do you see a departure of your soul, or departure from your soul? And finally, do you take the things of God lightly? I, I, I cannot. I and I can say with all these sins personally, I can tick them off for myself, and then I say, but. Where else can I go? In, in faith and repentance, I come back to Christ to cover my sins. But it is a warning to us. Godliness, how are you doing? And you guys can fill in the blanks there. So, that's the first application. Those who are closest and have the most information are the ones that actually commit, eventually, they commit the apostasy. Another application. The blessings of God come down to us through The proper means. So I must ask us, what are the proper means? Well, you should know the answer. Because you've heard me preach for many years now and heard us elders preach. What are the means God uses that salvation comes to us? Well, we could say lots of things, but I have in mind two things. Faith and repentance. I do not believe. Esau pursued the great blessings of God with faith and repentance. It's obvious from the text. Otherwise, he would have been over in chapter 11, right? As the person of faith, but instead he's over in chapter 12 in a context of apostasy. So you might say, "Now, John, wait a second here. He did seek repentance, but God did not grant it to him. You might say that. Look at verse 17. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Now, this is an English translation. And so, as, you, as, as we study this, some folks say that the it that he sought was repentance. That he was honestly seeking repentance. Well, there might be a nuance there. We might be able to say maybe so because it's part of the means. But some people put that it with repentance. But I believe the context, which also fits the grammar, is that the it that he sought was not repentance or certainly not true repentance. He might have been seeking what he got caught or something, whatever. But the it speaks of the blessing. He was seeking The blessing. This is the pinnacle of what it means to be a profane person. Here it is. To see the things of God apart from the proper means God has prescribed. I believe Esau, he wanted the birthright. He wanted the blessing, but all from the wrong motive. But he didn't want the God who gave the blessing, which is clear at the end of his life. And so it follows that he didn't want the blessing through the proper means that God had prescribed because it didn't follow all of his life. If you think about the story, the birthright, he was a young man. Well, when it comes time for his father Isaac to bless him, okay, Jacob and Esau there, 40 or 50 years later, okay? So he had lived for many years without faith and repentance. Only when he realized he had lost it at the very end did he cry out in tears, Bless me, Father, bless me. And it, there was great anger. And then he said, I, I want to kill you, Jacob. So Which is why Jacob runs off. Lots of trouble, lots of defilement, root of bitterness, everything we see here. So for all of those years, we think about Esau, he had it good. He probably acquired some form of wealth. He lived in the household of faith, yet he found all those things and counted all those things as common. He was a profane man. In the book of Hebrews, Esau is is just like he's a type of the unbelieving Jews of Jesus' day. Like Esau, they look to the outward blessings of God. And not to the essence of it. Which was, when we look back, the essence of all of God's blessings are found where? In the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we must not prefer the little morsels of meat. The morsels of meat that this world gives us over the birthright privileges of what all we have and all of what Christ has to give. So brothers and sisters by way of application we must value Christ and the gospel and godliness. We must seek the word of God and what he has for us in Christ. And this means that we always use the means of faith and repentance. Think about the world. When you talk to the to the the worldly person about Christ. They think, oh, all the roads lead to heaven, right? But Christ is God's means through faith and repentance. They have some kind of faith, some kind of not true repentance that they believe, but this is the pinnacle of to be profane, is to see the things of God and see Christ and say, nope, I'm going to come my own way. So what the world does is is tries to make their own righteousness. But the only righteousness that will save us and make us holy before God is the righteousness of Christ. That is the gospel. That's why we're here today as Christians. We believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he took sin, our sins, upon himself. And he gave us his righteousness. It's the big exchange. And then he rose again. And we believe on the Lord Jesus, and we have repentant hearts, which is that it's linked to godliness. We see, like I said, I think, think about those four things, the, the four truths today. And I think, wow, yes. In my heart, have I ever lusted? Yes. Or I think, you know, have I ever felt that, that I've had some type of unbelief? because of something that's happened in my life, and I think, ah, oh, move away, move away. I mean, yes. When, when, I, you know, when I think about that root of bitterness, you know, yes, all of them I could check off. Could, could I say I've been you know, profane? Well, of course, we've all been profane. We've often valued the things. We take care of ourselves. We value the things of God for our own purpose for our own self. We value the things of the world, and we've done that. We put them over and above God. We've been profane. But the difference between us and non-Christians is that Jesus... I always go back to 1 John. If a person says they, they, they don't sin. They're a liar. We all sin. He says, but when we do sin, we have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you today, if you are a Christian, be encouraged. Your sins are covered. You have believed on the Lord Jesus. And by faith, you are still in the Lord Jesus who sits at the right hand of God and you're seated with Him in the heavenly places. But if you are not a Christian and you know and you sit here listening, you say, yeah, well, maybe I profess Christ, but all of these things, and I'm seeing my life go down that road. And I'll just let you go there. Then I would urge you to say, I need to repent and I need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So I'd urge you to do that. Another application. Only a couple more and we'll be done. This is very difficult. But there comes a time when grace cannot be found. It ha- I think we see this with Esau. Esau sought the blessing and the time for repentance was past. That's why it's so important for us to listen to the words of Paul in the New Testament who says, Today is the day of salvation. Remember the words of Hebrews 3. You can look there with me if you want to. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as, as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, this is a great mystery. At what point this happens, I don't know. But I do believe that we have plenty of other examples in the Bible besides Esau. That there can come a time and will come a time when grace cannot be found. But the picture of that is just hardness to the gospel at the end of the day. And I don't want anything to have to do with God. And so, we can talk about that other times. Another application. Godliness is a community affair. So all of these exhortations throughout the book of Hebrews, they're all in the plural. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Yeah, we are. In the sense that if you look to your left and to your right, and I look out, and you look up here at me, we are responsible to strive for peace with everyone, see to it for holiness without knowing. knowledge you want to see the Lord. Verse 15, see to it. This, this, we are to see to it. That our brother or our sister also stays holy in their quest for godliness. So, when you go to your home groups, that is why we ask that you get involved with one another's lives. And you say, how are you doing? How are you doing with this sin? Help me out here. I want to pray for you. And we, I, I could not. And, and I think in some ways, it's, in some regards, it's easier for me because I have to stand up here every week and, and preach a sermon. So what do I do? I go back to the Word, even when I don't feel like it. But God's means, what, how good God is. With everything else that comes with that, in that way, what, what the grace of God for me. But for you guys, it, it's not the same if you're not doing this every week. So you need this on Sunday mornings, and you need home groups, and you need Sunday school, and you need your times with God's people for godliness to take, take root and to keep on going. Another application. This is the the last one and we'll finish here. In the church, sin does not spring up overnight. It takes time. But the end is unbelief and eventual apostasy. I mean, how many in the book of Revelation does Jesus say, I'm repent, I'm going to come take the candlestick away, or whatever he says, I'm going to take it away. Verse 15 says, See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. This bitterness is pictured as a root. This means we cannot see its effects until it grows up and comes up later, like my spaghetti squash. This is why I think as Christians we should deal with sin, and in the church, deal with it quickly. If we allow sin to continue... We are in danger of great trouble and eventual defilement. So if you've ever seen um, Andy Griffith's show, What Does Barney Say? Nip it. Nip it in the bud. Get rid of it. Pornography. Problems in marriage. Fix it. Anger in your heart. Fix it. Love for entertainment. Too much. It brings you away. Fix it. We could go on and on. I go back to my affections. Ask God to help you with your affections. God loves to do that. Pray, God, give me love for you. And all these other things will follow. We should be praying that prayer every day. So at the end of the day, apostasy does not happen quickly. It took a long time in Esau's life. So notice the general progression of apostasy, which is just a summary of this sermon. Number one. Failing to obtain the grace of God. Two, a little further now, get to the heart of it, root of bitterness. This is forms of unbelief. Three, sin rises up greatly and the depths to which sin, where the apostate allows sin to go. Down the road. And then finally, four, just straight out profanity. Profane, ungodly person may it not be so with us at grace as we hear these words if you hear my voice so at the end of the day though if you think wow maybe i'm in i might be committing the sin of apostasy well this warning is for us but at the same time i don't think we're in danger of that as christians for sure because what is in our heart, but to believe on the Lord Jesus and be repentant, repentant of sin. So, I, <clears throat> so I'm not concerned there for us. But at the same point, there's a line here. It, it is hard. This is difficult. And Christians must and need to hear sermons like this. Very different from last week. So if you believe the Lord Jesus died for your sins, now you are trusting him. This is the best place you can be. At the same time, again, this passage, the warnings in the book of Hebrews, which we're getting ready to finish up here not too long in the future, are directed at Christians. So if we hear these words and put them into practice, these words will serve as the most gracious words for us as Christians today and the days to come. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give thanks again. Again, we're very, very humbled for these words. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, grant us faith, great faith and great repentance. I pray that if there's not a Christian here today, that they would hear and look unto Christ and talk to someone else, their parents or their friend or one of the elders, and just speak about these things. I pray they would turn and be, be saved. For the Christian, Father, the, your word says apart from Christ we can do nothing. May we look unto Christ today. May he be more beautiful to us today. We give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.